I'm very sure you have an important life, but whatever you are doing, stop and pay attention. It's the afternoon, a podcast with Brent and Robbie. Welcome to the Afternooner Sports Podcast. I'm Robbie. With me, as always, is Brent. Oh, I like that little wind-up. First time I've ever done that in two and a half years of podcasting. I hope it's not the last. We'll see. Kind of feels a little passive-aggressive right now. (laughs) I'm just trying to pay you a compliment. (laughs) I'll take it. Down at the end of the table, wearing a white Fleet Foxes t-shirt, is Sunday School Billy. Happy to be here, as always. Funny story about this t-shirt. The uh, shirt I was wearing to this concert was not this shirt, but my wife and I both bought a copy of this shirt. You say that? A copy of this shirt? Just that shirt. We both bought one of these shirts. Anyway, the concert was so loud, I cut off little pieces of the shirt we were wearing and stuffed them into our ears for earplugs. Welcome to middle age, Billy. Can can you show us the holes in the shirt where you cut it off? No, it wasn't this shirt. It was the other shirt I was wearing. I took out my pocket knife, cut off a little piece of cloth, tore it into four pieces so we could stuff it into our ears. And it actually worked really well. It dulled the sound enough that it wasn't painful and was enjoyable. My, my wife and I, 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 this is what I do every time I go to a concert now. I, I bring earplugs. Yeah, we're, we're going to as well. It, 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 and it doesn't perfectly dampen it because it doesn't just lower the volume. You don't, see, you don't hear certain frequencies as well. Yeah. But yeah, I do not go to a concert now without earplugs. I don't care what people think. Everybody I looked around at in the balcony or in sort of one of the closer rows in the balcony, everybody was like leaning on their ears or like plugging their ears during the opener who was decidedly louder than the Fleet Foxes. Yeah. Billy, I want to jump back to something you said. You just happened to have a pocket knife at the concert? But again, showing my age. Another old man thing. Is that pocket knife on you at all times? Yes, it's actually on my keychain. On your keychain? It's a very small, it's just a little small Gerber utility knife. Not that I ever questioned if Billy was a real man or not, but this is one of my wife's indicators of what real men do. Real men always have a pocket knife, which I never carry, and she she calls me on this, when are you going to grow up and be a real man and carry a pocket knife like my dad and my grandpa And the other thing is that uh, the man is supposed to lock the doors of the house every night, but because I always just fall asleep before she's ready to go to bed, I never am the one that locks the doors at night. Make me a promise right now. If your wife ever says that to you about a pocket knife, and I am with you, you promise to say, I don't need one. I have Brent. He's my pocket knife. (laughs) Is that a I mean, like... Oh, Lord! (laughs) <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. I'll. Pro- I promise. All right. I cannot wait. I'll leave a pinky promise that one. I'm All seeing right. it. I witnessed the pinky promise. <laughs> Robbie, have you ever gotten a nice pocket knife for a gift? Uh, like nice one, probably not. I do have like yours is tiny. I yeah. do have some of those camping pocket knives that are about three inch blades. Sure. That you know they've got a little clip. You could put it on your pocket or in your pocket and wear it all the time. But I don't always have pockets. So, I mean, that's another, that's another problem for the pocket knife. I like understand. the sweatpants I'm wearing right now, no pockets. What do I do with a pocket knife if I don't wear it on a keychain and I, I want to carry a pocket knife? Well, Keep it in your mouth. That's a, a great suggestion, Brent. Another suggestion is you'd never buy sweatpants without pockets. I didn't buy them. These are hand-me-downs. Never. Wait, wait, wait. wait. A hand-me-down sweatpants from... from wh- what are you, you're like getting your clothes at the VFW? <laughs> 
<laughs> they actually were my wife's. Oh. She had these really, really baggy ones that we're, she liked to wear, and she was about to get rid of them. We're going to transition. Let, let's move on. We're going to transition. Move on. Uh, Billy, I believe you have some I sort do. of I have, for us. Um, I have a confession, guys. I'm really sorry about this, but I, I did some poor research last week. It was flippant. It was quick. And I, I need to make it a pause. So we received a message from Faithful After Gooner, Christian Dean. I'm going to read that message to you now. Faithful After Gooner here. Just want Sunday School Billy to know that his shoddy research on the lyrics of Kneel My Butt caused more controversy than any other topic over my Thanksgiving holiday. <laughs> we all want to know who actually wrote the lyrics presented on the podcast. Yours truly, Christian Dean. P.S. The Zombie Parasite was a hit. So that's from Faithful After Gooner, uh, Christian Dean. He's been listening for a few years now. I have uh, already taken the liberty, even though I'm not, still not a part of the LLC, to post an official after Nooner response, and uh, it reads as such. Wait, where'd you post this response? On our Facebook page? On our Facebook page, page yep. Mm-hmm. The Afternooner takes its researching seriously. <laughs> we do our <laughs> best- Hashtag Afternooner facts. <laughs> we do our best to avoid being labeled as hashtag fake news by our commander-in-chief who we wish the best as Time Magazine's runner-up for the man-slash-person of the year. <laughs> so it is with heavy hearts that the Afternooner, for the first time in history, redacts its coverage of any fact, statement, or story from on or off-air. The coverage of Neil McCoy's only published song, Take a Knee, My Butt. Though the Afternooner isn't sure how Neil's buttocks are physically able to take a knee, or if he must verbally command every part of his body in order for it to function. <laughs> we are sure that we did not report an accurate rendition of his lyrics, though the song we did report on certainly has the same spirit of Neil's Billboard Buster. We apologize for any inappropriate language in the following links, and we promise that we will continue to strive for our usual level of reporting perfection. We especially apologize to faithful after-gooner Christian Dean's family for any family trauma that may have erupted from our inaccurate reporting. I then have both links posted of my erroneous lyrics and the actual song. Wait, what, what, what are the lyrics of the actual song? We're getting there, Brent. Okay. We will be discussing on this week's podcast which song is actually worse. Spoiler alert, it's probably a tie. The Afternooner Sports Podcast. Would you guys like to hear the actual lyrics to yes. Neil McCoy's Take a Knee? Well, can you give us a reminder from last week of just very quickly yes. what those lyrics were? I absolutely can. So this so, is the fake... Lyrics that you got from the same dark web that Robbie once got an Andy Griffith show <laughs> synopsis. Yeah, so this is the lyrics. And again, it attributes it to Neil McCoy. Um, there's a picture of him. This is MetroLyrics.com. So if ever you want to cause a good family squabble, I suggest you pull your lyrics from MetroLyrics.com. So this is what we reported last week. I really like the red, white, and blue. It's really good, and so are you. America's cool. It's pretty old. This country's fun. Its heroes are bold. So... I guess I'm going to take a knee my butt. That's right. I'm just going to take a knee my butt. Yeehaw. Let's all just have fun taking a knee my butt. Once I saw a veteran on the street, I said, hey there, guy, you sure are neat. I bowed so deep I hurt my neck. If you hate veterans, you are going to heck. And then it's the chorus again. Okay, so now give us the uh, real lyrics. Real lyrics. Real, the real lyrics. McCoy, the real Neil McCoy lyrics. It's a bit longer. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. I'll stand and place my hand upon my heart every time her anthem plays. When I see somebody on TV take their stand on bended knee, whether it's on AstroTurf or grass, I think of those whose freedom was not free. And I say, 
take a knee, my butt. I'll stand up for the flag, take off my hat for old glory. Thank God I live in the home of the brave and the land of the free. I'll honor the ones who gave it all, so we're all free to go play ball. If only for their sake, I won't take a knee. From Valley Forge to Vietnam, 9-11 to Afghanistan, the star-spangled banner does yet wave. I won't forget I owe a debt of gratitude I never can repay. Arm in arm and side by side, American heroes fought and died, is showing some respect too much to ask. I speak for those whose freedom was not free, and I say, take a knee, my butt. I'll stand up for the flag, take off my hat for old glory. Thank God I live in the home of the brave and the land of the free. I'll honor the ones who gave it all, so we're all free to go play ball. If only for their sake, I won't take a knee. Oh, say can you see, if only for their sake, I won't take a knee. Okay, so those are radically different from the other one. Where Where is the mistake coming from? And can we get the person who wrote the lyrics to the first one on the podcast? Because... The second one is just joyless. The first one has the absurdest quality that I absolutely love. So you asked which was better. The one that's better is the first one, the one that we're reporting on, which is maybe in the end why we're reporting on it, because we just knew in our hearts it was better. So do you know where it came from? I have no idea why it exists. Somebody created it. So I don't know if it was someone heard the original song and was like, oh, I'm going to get on Metro Lyrics and post just some wild rendition of this. <laughs> because when, last week when we recorded, that was the only listing of lyrics for the song I could find because the song was only a day or two old. So this song just, yeah, okay, just came out. I mean, you said when last week it was just sure. a day or two old. Mm-hmm. So is Neil McCoy, does he have a bunch of patriotic songs in his catalog that he's recorded? Or is this his first one of, hey, I'm... Great patriot country singer Neil McCoy. Robbie, I, I covered this in my apology, and I said <laughs> Sounds like that you need this, to cover is, it again. this is the coverage of Neil McCoy's only published song, Take a Knee, My Butt, and that is a hashtag afternoon fact. His only published song? Hashtag afternoon fact. I see. Well, let's try and get the fake McCoy on this podcast. I don't know how we could possibly... After, after Gooners out there, help us out, track down the fake McCoy... <laughs> Let's get him or her on this show and uh, ask them to just sort of freestyle and write some lyrics about our podcast. We'd love it. Tweet at us at the Afternooner if you know how we can get a, uh, in touch with the uh, the fake McCoy, or call us at five one seven seven nine eight six one eight seven. So I also just discovered you can just hit a button called Edit Lyrics on Metro Lyrics, uh, so we could actually add to the superior version of Take a Knee. Oh, that's. So they haven't taken that down yet. No, that's still up. I'm on the website right now. We Good could old can, can you see? Is there like a username that it says they've added? I don't added think it? so. I think it's kind of the poor man's Wikipedia for song lyrics. So that's my apology. I apologize for soiling the afternooner's good name. You know, breaking our record for perfect reporting. You did good work. You did good work. Thanks, guys. So Brent, this is our this is our last podcast before you go to St. Jude. Go to Memphis, Tennessee, and run your first marathon, 26.2 miles. Are you nervous? No, I'm not nervous. Maybe I should be, but I, 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 I'm not nervous because other stuff's happening in the weekend that I'm leaving out on purpose because it's a surprise for a special someone, so I'm not going to talk about it on the podcast, but 
that stuff is like dominating my mind, which is helping me forget about the fact that I have to run over 26 <laughs> miles on Saturday. You know, since you're not talking about it in the podcast right now, it makes me think that maybe I'm that special someone that well, you're if, talking about. If you had chosen to go to Memphis with me instead of seeing a funny man show, uh, then it could have been you. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm going to see The Funny Man. Sorry. You are going to see a funny man. You're going to report back to us on how one of our favorite stand-up comedians... Mike Berbiglia. Yeah, Mike Berbiglia. Oh, yeah. Cannot recommend his Netflix special, My My Girlfriend's Ex-Boyfriend, enough. No, it's just called My Girlfriend's Boyfriend. Oh, is it? Yeah, there's no ex in oh, there. Oh, okay. It's My Girlfriend's it's, Boyfriend. It's a, it's a piece of art. It's we love it. So, yeah, so this is... We, I've changed my diet. Uh, because I'm sure I can just do that just, now. Just this week. Just so this I week. started today. I started drinking beet juice today. Because all the articles I read about preparing the week of all mentioned beet juice. I was a witness to Brent drinking this beet juice. And it was eight ounces, one drink. It looks he, like horse blood. Yeah. I he, thought it was, I think it's 12 ounces. It's eight ounces. He took, he. Heard it both ways. Uh, actually, it was eight <laughs> ounces, Robbie. And I told you I'm not going to m- make a mistake again. <laughs> But Brent chugged it. It was just, it was 10 seconds and that was gone. And then it sounded like he was vomiting shortly after that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good at chugging. Huh. I, I don't take that the wrong way. I, if I need to chug beet juice, I, you know. And you did that because you knew it was going to taste horrible. Yeah, you just got to get it down the gullet. So you're already at the point where you're doing something you despise yes. in order to make. Well, what's this whole marathon been about? It's just one long thing that I despise. It's almost over. So yeah, it is almost over. If you've not given to the Afternooner St. Jude page yet, you still can go to heroes.stjude.org slash the Afternooner. There's a handful of giving levels you can choose. You just want to give a small amount. We'll still take these topics after the podcast if you want to give us your topic. I think that's the $25 level, right? $25 is a 10-minute topic of your choice. And if someone gives $50, can they still come on the show Absolutely. at a few later date? Absolutely. And we already have one slap to be named later. Yes. Um, someone gives at the $100 level, they can reserve that slap for a future date. Absolutely. Just wait till I mouth off and then I just get it right in the kisser. <laughs> but just give Brent a few seconds to slip that mouth guard in. That's his one request. Yeah, you know, just sort of like give me a give me a, a signal and I'll know what it means. <laughs> I'll know what it means. So we do have uh, a few topics tonight. All around the same theme. We've been saving the these. Theme. Been saving these because we've accumulated topics on the same theme. And so this is going to be a sort of a special edition. A Star Wars preview show. The new movie, is it called The Force Awakens? No, no, no. It's called Return of the Last Jedi. Wait, is it really? It's called The Phantom Empire. No, no, no. It's Return of the First Jedi, Brent. Return of the First Jedi. It's Han Solo versus his son. What's going to happen? Who knows? None of us. None of us know. Isn't it emo Kylo Ren versus sad, lonely Luke? (laughs) (laughs) I forgot about that. That was so fun. Yeah, that is a fun Twitter account. But yeah, so there's a Star Wars movie coming out in a couple weeks. You've probably not heard of it. Star Wars is a space opera. Started in 1977. Yep. And, uh, you know, I think probably, I'm stealing this from The Onion, but, you know, 40 years into a space opera is generally when you hit your stride in uh, (laughs) making the best movies. So I'm sure this next one's going to be the best one. You think? No. Oh. (laughs) I think people will say best one since Empire Strikes Back because they've been saying... Best one since Empire Strikes Back. Every time a new Star Wars movie comes out, um, where do you where do you pre rank this movie? 
amongst the other Star Wars movies? I don't. If you no, if you had to like plug it into a spot, like your prediction, what would your Brent Klein Star Wars movie prediction be? Uh, fourth. Hmm. So are the first, are the first three the uh, top three or the original three? They have to be right because every other movie completely depends on those three. Like this is the, this is one of the big criticisms of Star Wars, right? You just you keep going back to the same well because you're not really making a new world. You're just you're still relying on the world that was made 40 years ago. I did see that Ryan Johnson has been signed on yes. to do a new trilogy sort of detached from what we've been given in the other movies. So yeah. that this could fix that problem. Yeah, very of, daring, very exciting. So I a trilogy in in the Star Wars universe but completely Separate from Separate the stories characters. that we've learned, you know, no Skywalkers, no so until they well, show up at the end. Well, I think his name is Skook Lywalker. Oh, <laughs> yeah, Skook. Yeah. Okay, so on a scale of one to ten, we'll start with you, Billy. What kind of Star Wars fan are you? Are you, you know, ten is let's say ten is um, George Lucas as far as your knowledge and fandom of Star Wars. Is George fear- Lucas a ten? Is I mean, because he sold it, he's not a 10 anymore? Maybe the fact that I'm actually questioning that shows where high. my ranking is. <laughs> All right, so 10 is your rabid Star Wars fan. You know everything you've read. Wookiepedia. I didn't know that was a thing. Wookiepedia. Wookie. Yeah. W- walkie or wo- wo- Wookie? Wo- he's woke. Wookie. Woke. Wookie. <laughs> Thank Wookie. you. So where, where do you place yourself on that scale, Billy? I'm not going to... I am going to opening nights. I'm not dressing up on opening night. I've read some of the books of the Extended Universe, which are now legends. I haven't read all of the books of the Extended Universe, which are now legends. Reading books, I'm going to say he's like a 7.8. Because I think 8, 9, and 10 has to be going to conventions and dressing up. I've actually been to a convention before. A a Star Star Wars Wars convention one time, yeah. But you wouldn't rate yourself as an 8 or a 9. Yeah, that's only because I had three friends going and they said, hey, why don't, you know, they had a couple of us come just to make fun of all the other them and the other Star Wars people. It was actually a great, weird time. Because I, I was not into... I'm, I'd probably, I'm this question, I'm probably a four to five, maybe, tops. That seems a little high. Maybe a little high. But I was detached enough I could just enjoy watching, almost from an anthropological perspective, the, the male-dominated attendees, the handful of women who all just happened to be dressed as Princess Leia's, and probably were paid by conference attendees to be there dressed as Princess Leia's. Who else were they going to be dressed as? Well, you don't have to dress up as a character if you're attending. Yeah, My point the, is the only women that were there were women who were consigned to be there by the conference organizers. I, as, don't, uh, I don't think that's consigned true. Consigned to be there? Consigned's consigned like the wrong word. The strangest human trafficking victims ever? <laughs> Well, I, I will rank myself. I mean, I, I can quote the movies, the original movies, backward and forward. I can quote them backward and forward. I've never read any of the books. I'm perfectly willing to look at those original movies as as great but flawed. Right? I mean, I hear people talk about stuff. It's just like, no, that's not... the You're, you're reverse engineering these things. The w- reason it's this way is because just George Lucas didn't think through it. He obviously had no idea... <laughs> <laughs> that Darth Vader was Luke Skywalker's son in the first one. There is no way he knew that. And I do think history backs me up on that. But uh, you, Yeah, you're correct. Like, th- this stuff has flaws in it. There's whole stuff that doesn't make any sense. Not just in terms of the universe's metaphysics, but even just in terms of plot. I'm willing to admit that. So I was going to say I was a five because I knew the movies backward and forward. 
but I don't really feel like I'm clued into the fan culture. Oh, I would put you at higher than a five. If, I mean, knowing that if you, because you, despite its flaws, you love Star Wars, right? Yes, like this, yes, but it's the, a very lovable thing. But if you, the scale is of people who like Star Wars, so it's not like a four is a person who sure. hates Star Wars. If you can quote the movies, the first three backward and forward, you're definitely higher than a five. I'm putting you at least six point three. All right, well, I'll take. I mean, I'll take it. So we have three topics, Star Wars topics, right? Yes. Do you uh, do you kind of want to say who uh, who yeah, maybe we'll, uh, we'll, we'll came say up with each topic? Right. So uh, our first one is from uh, a former student of mine, and she actually spent three and a half weeks with me in another country, along with sports ethicist Matt as well. Went to Ecuador for a class. So this is Jessica Myers. Uh, thank you for the uh, contribution. She gave us several questions, not all of them related to Star Wars, but since we were do we were collecting Star Wars stuff, we thought it'd be appropriate. Plus, her other questions were to things I didn't even know what they were. So we're sticking with the Star Wars question, and her question was, if you had to pick a roommate from the Star Wars universe, what roommate would you choose? And so I offer... Around this table, who is your roommate from the Star Wars universe? Brent, this actually, the idea of this question got me really excited. Because thinking about living with someone from the Star Wars universe, that's just fantastic. But that can also be horrifying. So I actually made two lists. It's a, hey, these would be really great roommates to have list. And then my, uh, these would not be so great. And they're also pretty unlikely that you'll have them as a roommate. But if you did, it'd be pretty terrible. So you're going to start with... Would you like to start with the I think not roommates? Not roommates. Not roommates. Yeah, not roommates. These are the not roommates. So these are people you don't want to have. These are people where if you were to do a blind roommate search and you showed up and this is a person sitting on the couch, uh, you're not going to be too excited about that. The first one would be the Cloud City Torture Droid. <laughs> <laughs> what was the torture droid? Is that the like the chair that he sits in when the? You're right. I'm getting it mixed up. So uh, it's the. There's the Star Destroyer torture droid, the round guy that floats in. Oh, so that's what you're talking about. That's what I. So not the Cloud City torture, though the uh, Cloud City torture chair would be uncomfortable furniture. Yes, to have that in is your definitely. De but I actually think it's not on a Star Destroyer. I think it's on the Death Star because it's in the original Star Wars. Yes, you're right. So the the little it's like a mini Death Star. It's, yeah, it's the little black <laughs> with orb with, with the, the needle, the syringe sticking out. out. So not going to be too excited about uh, walking into an apartment <laughs> unless that syringe is full of fun. That could be Brendan. Meaning heroin. <laughs> <laughs> so that'd be my first one. Second one, uh, another lesser known character, but a fun one, Bosk. Bounty hunter Bosk. You know why? I don't think Bosk is getting a lot of work. <laughs> I don't think Bosk is going to be able to make ends meet and pay rent. I think uh, if he served. Do you know Bosk? Do you know who? Isn't Bosk the sort of cat looking? He's like the, rep the reptilian, yeah, reptilian one. Yeah, so he. Uh, I'm not sure I know Bosk. When Vader is talking and he says, you know, no disintegration, Bosk is one of the guys who's standing there. Uh, the One of the workers on, I think that's still on the. Is that on the Death Star, Brent? Or is that on. No, that's on, that's a star, on Vader's that's Strikes Back. Super Star Destroyer, right. right? So one of the guys is working at the computer and he turns to his buddy and says something about despicable bounty hunter scum. We don't need their help. That's we right. And I think it's Bosk's feet that hang yeah, over the edge. And then he, he sort of looks up at Bosk, and Bosk kind of <laughs> makes a sound at him. So Bosk. So why is Bosk a bad roommate? He's not friendly. He, okay. I think, is an incompetent bounty hunter because we don't really see him again. So he's not getting paid. He he, he took he took his rocket right into the sun. He's like, I'll find that Han Solo, <laughs> and just drove right into the sun. Which, uh, while then you don't have to put up with his. Uh, 
you know, clearly messy reptilian ways, uh, he's not going to be able to pay rent, and that's going to foot the bill with you. Excellent point. So I don't want Bosk. Last one would be the one-armed wampa. What is a wampa? The wampa. Oh, the snow, snow monster. The snow monster. The wampa from, uh, what's the, uh, Hoth? Yes. Uh, Luke fights him in the cave. Clearly, he's coming to eat Luke. He's already devoured his tauntaun, and uh, he gets his arm taken off, but we don't see that he's dead. So maybe he's on, you know, downtimes. He's no longer able to catch prey, and he's looking for a roommate. I just don't see that going very well. <laughs> and he might need a win. So he's like, I, I let that Luke guy go one night, right? He goes back to his predator instincts, mm -hmm. and you're waking up in the mouth of a wampa. Yeah. So that would be my three uh, not ideal roommates. Solid choices all around. How the, about who you would want as a roommate in the Star Wars universe? I Billy? tried to spread this out a little bit. I couldn't actually think of somebody and make a legitimate argument for them from the prequels. But I do have a roommate from The Force Awakens. I think BB-8 would be a great roommate. Yes. He's loyal, yeah. he's handy, he's brave, and he's really cute and cool. Great wingman mm -hmm. as well because doesn't he give a thumbs up he gives to lots of thumbs Finn up. Yep. Uh, when he lies yeah. for Rey's benefit? He covers for, for him, yeah. Yes. So the yeah. droid covers for Finn because Finn's trying to impress Rey. Um, so you know he's got your back. Yeah, BB-8's great. The next one I would have, classic character, Admiral Akbar. Huh. Go on. I have no idea. Okay, yeah, this, I'm, I'm a little skeptical of this one, so go ahead. Okay, Admiral Akbar. Again, he's a good guy. He's a leader, and he is always going to tell you when something is a trap. He's never going to let you walk in blind, whether he thinks it's an unhealthy relationship. Never going to give you up. Never, never going to set a trap. <laughs> So Admiral Akbar, I believe he's there. Is he there in all three movies? No, he's only there in Return of the Jedi. He's not in one of the early ones. No. no. Okay. Well, Admiral Akbar is great. Can I ask you a question? He yeah. seems wet. Like he seems like he sits yes. on the furniture. That furniture's got a funk, man. Yes. So I think because he is from the planet Calamari. Which is just, <laughs> we've been over this. George Luke, over this. George Lucas naming things is the worst ever. I think it's fun. Robbie, you won't so know the answer stupid. to this, but I want to ask you anyway. What is the furry pet of Jabba the Hutt's name? The furry pet. Do you remember? Do you know what I, who I'm talking about? The furry little pet. He laughs. I, I do an oh, impression of yeah. it. Salacious B. Crumb. Correct. I'm glad you remember that. That bumps you up, I think, to a four and a half. Okay, sure. I'll take it. Brent, can we get a Salacious B. Crumb laugh? I'm afraid of what's going to do into the microphone, well, but back up a little bit. <laughs> it's 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 so good. Thank you. It's so good. Thank you. So Admiral Akbar, yes, you're right. He's a little bit moist, <laughs> but I think that's what you get when you have a squid roommate. You just have to have your spaces, right? With and with roommates, there's always boundaries. So maybe that's actually healthy to have those. Hey, this is your funky furniture. This is my clean, dry yeah, furniture. Is the plastic on the furniture yeah. because of you, Squid Man? The last one, Wedge Antilles. Wedge. Again, loyal. He's got a steady job. He's always going to be able to pay rent. And he's gone all the time. His job, he it's taken him all over the galaxy. Uh, and he's always going to come through. He's always going to make it for you. So. Yeah, he's the only one who makes it from beginning mm -hmm. to end. And But I think the actual actor refused to be, he didn't want to be a part of the new movies. Otherwise, Wedge would have been in the new movies oh, really? as well. Yeah, he do just you know, didn't want to do it. Do you know why he didn't want to do it? Because he's dead. No, I'm kidding. He just <laughs> he just didn't want to do it. I okay, don't know why. Yeah. I don't know why. But I thought Wedge, I mean, he's a steady, stable character. Great um, choice. 
Great yeah. choice. So those, I don't know if you guys had any other suggestions I, for I, I, good I, or bad. Yeah, I just had one that, and I and I hope this doesn't break the spirit of the rules, but I kind of already see them as roommates, and they're sort of the odd couple of the Wait, Star so you've Wars. Got, you've got two people. Well, see, they're already roomies, and I'm hoping that so they have a third a they have a third bedroom okay. that they'd let me be a part of, and that's Lando Calrissian and Lobot. Ah, because first of all, Lando—he's sort of a playboy, right? He's going to throw great parties. He's going to get you into into places. And Lobot is just—he's going to be clean. He's going to be low key. I mean, he has to be turned on. And uh, I, you know, I think he's very quiet. So I think they've got a great odd couple atmosphere going on that just works. It just works. And I hopefully don't mess that up too much. Brent, here's a problem with that. Han Solo and Lando Calrissian are good friends, right? Were R.I.P. Okay. Well, in that scene where they all meet again, uh, it's more or less clear that Han Solo and Leia are a thing or the beginning of a thing. Lando has no qualms about trying to move in. So I think any lady you're interested in that Lando wants, he's going to, like you said, take her away from you. Let me give you a counterpoint to that. Easily. That is first scene Lando. That's fair. Lando goes through a character change. He does. And he would never do that in Return of the Jedi. Look at how he put himself on the line for team in Return of the Jedi. Sure. Nope. So I don't see I don't see the end of Star at uh, the end of Return of the Jedi, Lando trying to steal Princess Leia away anymore. Well, maybe, so I think the guy's learned. Maybe not. As long I, as he doesn't betray you to the Empire, you should be okay as his roommate. Can I say that's my favorite scene? When he betrays him. The moment when the doors slide open. And Darth Vader is is right there at the dinner table, yeah. and just waiting. And Han Solo immediately shoots. I think it's shot in an amazing way. I think the color palette in the room the is white fantastic. Contrasted yes. with Vader's the black. The entire color palette of Cloud City is fantastic. Uh, I, really, the whole movie, the blues and the oranges. Mm -hmm. But that scene, that is my single favorite scene of Star Wars. Just because of the gravity of the situation of the betrayal you weren't quite expecting. Yeah, yes, there's a I mean it's hard to think of not expecting at this point in our lives, but yeah, yeah and, and just the way again, the way it's shot, it's very succinct, it's very um again, it's 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 visual as well as auditory because the sound of the blaster, you don't you don't have to have a long talk, mm -hmm. right? Can you imagine prequel George Lucas doing that scene? They would have sat down and had some long conversation about trade federations. But this one is just <laughs> boom yeah. boom boom. Takes the gun. I'm sorry, I had no choice. They arrived just before you did. Door and like shut. That explains everything. They yep. walk. Well, I'm sorry too. And they walk in. It's perfect. It is. Robbie, who would you have as your Star Wars roommates? Uh, this is where it becomes apparent that we didn't share our uh, roommates ahead of time. I had Lando Calrissian. Really? Oh. I not with Lobot. It was just gonna be me and Lando. And most of my, m most of my my basis for why I want Lando Calrissian is because he's played by Billy D. Williams. <laughs> And in growing up in the 80s, 10, 12 years old, those Colt 45 malt liquor commercials. Works every time. <laughs> works every, I mean, I really didn't know what was going on and didn't pick up on something. I recently watched about five or six of them researching <laughs> Research, for the second yeah. segment. Got and, drunk on Colt 45 too. <laughs> and watching them, I'm like, I, I know I didn't pick up on this innuendo as 11 year old, but I still knew that Billy D. Williams, he had some, he had it. He had some charisma. He was Moxie, and you know, interesting fact: Billy D. Williams was the second uh, second choice for Lando. He was not the first choice. Who was first? Dennis. Um, he was in Aliens, the first Alien movie. Uh, African American 
his name was Dennis. I blanked on his last name. I'm sorry. I was not familiar with him, but the point is Billy D. Williams is not the first choice. So does that mean Dennis that La- Parker? Yes, that's him. So does that mean Lando was always cast as an African American, not because it was Billy D. Williams? Yeah. I mean, they wanted an African American. It appears that way. The first guy, and he actually turned it down. This Dennis Parker, you said his last name was. He turned it down because he just said, uh, I'm afraid they're just going to kill me off quick anyway, because that's what happens with especially in science fiction movies, in American science fiction movies up until that point, there were no significant character, major characters that were African-American. So what? Billy D. Williams and Lando Calrissian, first, I guess, major character in a American sci-fi film. Well, so- well, African-American character. So Dennis Parker's character, if I remember Alien correctly, I mean, he dies, but everybody dies besides Ripley. Correct. So- Spoiler. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's 1979, but it's a fantastic movie. It's essentially a horror sci-fi movie. It's fantastic. But I get that must have been a negative experience for him because that was 79 before Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, maybe it was a negative experience. And he made some comment about, I want to stay on Earth and not not be in a space movie, I guess. And he was never cast again. Yeah, I just think you guys are playing second fiddle to a very charming Billy Dee Williams every party or soiree you go to. That's Well, hopefully he's, again, he, he's become an unselfish man. Hopefully he can use that cool to, uh, you know, help us out. Well, third fiddle, if you count, Lobot. I got to at least be cooler than Lobot, man. I mean, I know we're both <laughs> bald, but... So, so that was 10 minutes for uh, what our roommates were. We want to move on to our next donor, which is our official anthemist, Josh Cook. Donated also had a Star Wars question, a fantastic one. So we're going to get right to that. That is, if you had to field a football team with Star Wars characters, who would you put in the various positions? Hmm. Now, Robbie, we've had you take lead on this one. You've been working on this for about a week. Take us through some of your choices. All right, so I'm going to... I'm going to start on the D. There's a few holes on my roster here because I don't have the breadth of knowledge. When Billy's just talking about his not roommates and his roommates, I was realizing that I'm not going that deep in my character knowledge and character studies of who's going to be the best uh, nickel cornerback on our team. (laughs) Slot receiver is? So I'm counting on Billy to identify, yeah, who that Wes Welker will be uh, on our Star Wars football team. But we're going to start on the defense, and we're going to start in the secondary at safety. And this is, I think, a little bit of a surprise. Chewbacca. At is, safety. At safety, I know. Has a lot of range. He's athletic. He's fast. Powerful. Here's the problem with Chewie, though. Stone hands. That's why we can't put him on offense. He has to be on defense. Why do you think he has stone hands? Well, I mean, I Did don't Did he ever like, drop anything in the Star Wars universe? He carries C-3PO for half a movie. Yeah, that's that's it's great. I'm just He also has retractable claws. I've scouted him. Yeah, this he's not he he's not a he's not a pass catcher. He's For a strong trust safety. Me, he's he's athletic enough that he can fill in and as in the corner in a pinch, but he Roman free in center field there. He's picking off a lot of balls and he's going to hit Levy some big hits. Wait, how's he's he... going to be a lot of concussions for the uh <laughs> what are the bad guys called in Star Wars? The Empire? The the Stormtrooper team. The Stormtrooper. They're going to be a lot of concussions. How is he picking off balls if he has stone hands? Well, he's just not good enough to be a receiver. He's not Exactly. Uh, Thank okay. you. Thank okay. you, Brent. All right. At our lockdown cornerback position, Luke Skywalker. Wow, you are making some surprise moves here. Surprise. Well, I like it. Defense is important. Defense wins championships. And almost almost a, moving into some Coven scale hot takes there. And Gotta the galaxy. 
Defense wins championships and the Galaxy. But Luke on defense, sure, could he be our quarterback? Could he probably do some other things on offense? Yes. But you don't want to waste force skills on offense. He doesn't need to turn his head to see where the ball's at. The force is going to tell him. He's batting away all those balls on the number one receiver. Excellent. Is he allowed to use the force in the game? How would we know if he did or not? I mean, if he was good with it, if he was subtle with it, if he just made the receiver be like, I don't even want to catch this. That's not the ball I'm looking for. So then the receiver just runs. He just keeps running. Well, there's another receiver who left the stadium, probably force involved, but we can't prove that. <laughs> All right, so middle linebacker. Ooh, okay. We're moving to the, uh, the prequels. Oh, gosh. Darth Maul. The middle linebacker needs to be able to go sideline to sideline. And if I correct me if I'm wrong, doesn't Darth Maul have that double-sided lightsaber red stick thing? Yes, he does. That gives him tremendous reach. I thought you were going to say because he got cut in half, he can send one half of his body one way <laughs> and the other half the other way. I forgot about that, but that's a great point. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Darth Maul at little, middle linebacker. Fantastic. Our, our kind of our, our overrated cornerback on our defense. Our, oh, wait, you, 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 you're giving us an overrated player. Yeah, our overrated player. That's fantastic. Because uh, we have we have our lockdown defensive back in Luke Skywalker using the force to swat down swat down balls in the defensive backfield. But is is salacious B. Crumb? Hey, now, now hear me out here. <laughs> he's he's always cackling just like that, laughing laughing mercilessly at uh, at Jabba's captives. He's a little like, bit like that defensive back who never draws the top receiver from the opposing team, but he's always talking trash and laughing at that person even because he knows he's never having to guard that guy. Um, That's great. Also, he's overrated because he doesn't like to tackle. He does have height, right? I mean, because he can jump. Doesn't he jump to the top of the barge or something? Like he gets shocked I, I and he goes all the way to the top of the bar. Yeah, he does jump up into the raft. He needs to be electrically shocked in order to get that range, but he does have range. He does have range, but again, he's he's not nearly as good as he think he is in the defensive backfield. Now, now, Billy, you might already know this, but when researching Salacious B. Crumb and his cornerback uh, defensive tendencies, I didn't know how he ended up in Jabba's uh, team to begin with. Do you know this story, Billy? This is from Wikipedia. This is from Wikipedia. Salacious B. Crumb was a stowaway in one of Jabba's ships. Jabba finds him, and he agrees that Crumb can eat and drink as much as he likes. All he has to do is make Jabba laugh once a day. Does he? I suppose he's successful doing that. Also, he agrees if he if he doesn't make him laugh once a day, he will kill him. How many days go by before Jabba's just kind of? Starts to let up on that expectation a little bit. Or what if he makes him laugh twice in one day? And then the next day is like, nah, it was a smirk at best. But he's like, it was twice the day before. Also, maybe Jabba just laughs at everything. I mean, he laughs a lot in the movies. He seems he, a jovial a jovial man. Well, not a merciful one, but certainly a jovial one. Yes. Okay. So, so that brings us to our interior line play. Our defensive line, offensive line is all filled by our great left tackle, Jabba the Hutt, <laughs> who is so large that he's just both lines all at once. Wait, does, how, do we, how does he like pull and how does he move? Well, we know from the prequels he's, that he's huts a... can move at the pod races. You see them oh actually coming up to the edges because they own the pod races. Just every time he's we re- bring up the prequels, just I'm sorry, Robbie, go ahead. I mean, he's more of a pass blocker, a pass protector <laughs> than a run blocker, <laughs> so there's not a lot of pulling in our, in our uh, empire... Uh, 
Empire offense. Tight end. This is another surprise, I think. Tight end, Han Solo. Han Solo is tight end. Here's, here's Why not? He's our Gronk. He's our Rob Gronkowski. <laughs> he's so talented. You just kind of put up with the attitude and just these antics and his behavior. Wide receiver, back to the prequels. And this, I expect some pushback on this one. If because you, if you say it, I'm going to lose my mind. You will lose your mind. The don't number do it. One, don't num- do this. Don't do this. The number one wide don't receiver do on any NFL team don't do this. is a prima donna, is a diva, Robbie, don't and is a do talker, it. annoying, yapping all the time. Give me the ball. I'm open. Give me the ball. Robbie, don't. It is, it's Jar Jar Binks. Well, I'm done. I'm done with the entire team. I hope they get eaten by the Sarlacc pit. At running back, we have Bubba Fett. Did you just call him Bubba Fett? Boba Fett. <laughs> Wait, did you just call him I Bubba did, Fett? I Boba did. Boba Fett from <laughs> Wikipedia. <laughs> Boba Fett. He's a running back. A lot of running backs wear the visors. Nice. So Boba Fett's already there. He's already got the visor, but he's not getting the ball much anyway. He's going to be a bit part on our offense. Like I said, Jabba's mostly pass blocking. Well, Boba Fett has a rocket, so he can go over top of Jabba the Hutt. I mean, we're going to use him for the uh, the dive play at the goal line, primarily. <laughs> This, right. wait, so who's our quarterback? Our quarterback, wait. and this you're gonna set the theme here. Our quarterback is none other than Lando Calrissian, my roommate. Too cool for school. He's your too- roommate. I love that's how you're introducing him. My roommate. <laughs> I knew this guy from way back in school. <laughs> I'm basing on two things. One, he's he's cool. He has moxie. He's calm. He doesn't get flustered. He doesn't get flustered in Cloud City when he helps save save uh, save all the rebels, right? Yeah, he says this deal's getting worse all the time, but then he goes to work. Yeah, that's right. And he and he's clutch. He's clutch. He fired that shot into Death Star number two at the Battle of Endor. Sure did. And sure, Luke, could he have done that too? Yes, but we need the force on defense. We don't need the force at QB. And personality-wise, you're taking Lando over Luke any day. That's, I mean, I. It's a very thoughtful, thoughtful list. I. It's fantastic. There's a few holes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Billy, I don't know if there's some naturals. Can we get some special teams? Can we get a kicker? I mean, we're not punting. We're, we're going for it on fourth down every time. It does seem like a force user would be a good kicker because they that thing's just going to keep on sailing. So maybe Darth Vader at kicker? <laughs> He's got He's not ice very, in his veins. He's kind of like Tom Dempsey. He's not very mobile, though. That's That mobility, I think, is necessary, especially if he needs to chase down you know, a return. or He can j- just choke him. Well, then put him in every position. <laughs> well, we can't, because if we don't put in Lando Calrissian, it'll get all pouty. <laughs> That's right. And if we and if he chokes him early, it's going to be pass interference. So we really can't put him on defense. <laughs> I think a sort of dark horse would be one of the Emperor's red guard oh. at uh, really any position. I mean... I think maybe special teams kick blocker, because they've got those long spears that they're mm-hmm. allowed to just hold up and try and block. The problem is I think they have capes, so if they're they running the ball at any time, you could just grab their cape and pull them to the ground it's like it's a star wars equivalent of having the dreadlocks coming out of your helmet yeah 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 all right so we're going to move on to our third star wars uh topic and this is from our beloved cookie rojas stone mm-hmm. made a donation and you know being an eight month old baby of course she wanted to talk about death and being Brent Klein, we thought this was the best topic for you to lead on. I appreciate that. So uh, so we're talking Star Wars deaths. And so I've got top three best Star Wars deaths, bottom three Star Wars deaths. We're oh. going to start with the bottom three. 
What do you mean when you say bottom? Just least satisfying. So this ah, is not like how okay. you want to die or it's, it has no bearing on whether it's a good guy or a bad guy. This is just in terms of the narrative, is it satisfying? Gotcha. So honorable mention for least satisfying death in Star Wars. And you're giving us a top three here? Yeah, and just honorable mention. Oh, okay. so this is this is four. This is actually four. <laughs> <laughs> so really, you're just giving us the four. Uh, just it's an honorable. We don't have to talk about uh, Darth Maul. Sure. He uh, and maybe this is because I think his his character is meaningless. He's clearly just a fanboy character. We'll have him dressed in red and black and have horns all over his face and just be like a cool guy. Um, but he has no sense of character whatsoever. He gets chopped in half. Um, it, it's it's an it's an it's a ridiculous death. The, the falling apart, and it's even made more ridiculous by the fact that one of these animated shows of Star Wars puts him back together, and so he has a bottom half that's robotic. That Robbie, you're giving me a look, but that's true. Back me up here, Bill. That is absolutely true, and that's canonical, too. Like, Disney, Lucasfilm would recognize it's ridiculous. that Darth Maul comes back from it being makes cut the, in half. It makes the death even dumber. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this. Well, it turns out his species, all of his vital organs are actually above you the just, hip. It's just ridiculous. I don't actually know how he was supposed to be saved, but he was. All right. Third worst death in the Star Wars universe goes to Jango Fett mm. from the prequels. Now, this is the father of Boba were, Fett. I don't remember how he died. They're in a huge melee in this like stadium. Mm-hmm. I remember and that. Mace Windu chops his head off with a lightsaber. Now you might think that like this is kind of a cool death, but it's not. It, and I'm not again. It's not about cool or not cool. It's about satisfying as a narrative. If you remember, after he gets his head chopped off, which could be satisfying in terms of a narrative, like hey, tough guy got brought down really quickly, but then the son Boba Fett picks up the helmet and like contemplates it. But first of all, his dad's head, I would think, is in that helmet still. Does the kid not even know that his dad's head is in there? Second of all, it's forced sentimentality, right? Because we don't know anything about this kid. We only know him as Boba Fett because they've said, this is Boba, and that makes us go on our nostalgia train back to our childhood. So it's supposed to be the sentimental moment with Boba Fett and his father, even though the kid is holding the dad's head and doesn't seem to realize it, completely unsatisfying. Number two, Boba Fett. Boba Fett. Boba Fett. Boba Fett. Where? Bubba Fett. <laughs> his his southern brother, Bubba Fett. <laughs> no, and I think uh, everyone will agree with this. Yeah. You build up in Empire Strikes Back that Boba Fett is one of the more. Um, charismatic characters because of his uh because of his mysteriousness because of his aloofness and then in return of the jedi you give him what is arguably the most vaudevillian death in the whole thing which is not just because number one he's hit from behind in a ridiculous way number two he goes flying through the air swinging his arms like he suddenly doesn't know what to do number three he runs into the side of the barge and then number four, when the Sarlacc pit eats him, it burps. It's a ridiculous, ridiculous death. Yeah. And if it was just like a random guy, you could forgive it. But you just spent a movie, and in fact, Return of the Jedi as well, they're giving him like cool looks where he yep. like nods to Princess Leia when he thinks she's a bounty hunter. So you're, you're doing all this stuff to build him up, and then you just, you just completely subvert that. It's, it's a ridiculous death. So why isn't that number one? Because the dumbest, least satisfying death in the entire Star Wars universe is Padme, who dies from what, Billy? 
Do you know what she dies from? Heartache, I believe. A broken heart. It's just so. (laughs) It's just so ridiculous. It's just like, hey, George, we forgot to kill off the mom. Uh, Have her die during childbirth. Why would she die during childbirth? This like that doesn't happen. Just, Just, she's sad. No, we know, we know. But even in like 19th century. Sentimental uh, novels, they knew that people didn't actually die from heart. So what, what's the reason, George? I just, I don't, I don't have one. She's just so sad she dies. It's a ridiculous death. I don't want to spend any more time on it. It makes me sick. Sick enough to die. Did All right, see, yeah, let's see. go to your best deaths. Yeah. Best deaths. Honorable mentions. I got several of these. We'll just go through them real quick. Honorable mention, Han Solo. It's an honorable mention. Yes. It's it's a huge. I mean, it's so built up. That's I think a, a, a perhaps a disqualifier. Against, yeah. But uh, but it's it's a nice. He he hands over the lightsaber. Only he knows he knows what he's going to. It's and that, it's that's a fantastic. That was in my top three. Yeah, and the Chewbacca's growl after he dies mm-hmm. is one of the great moments in that movie. Like the howls of pain. Yes, a friend absolutely. Being lost. It's great. Um, honorable mention: Tarkin. In Wait, the first Star was Han Solo an honorable mention? Or yes, you just he's have, an honorable mention. So you have five? I, I have three honorable mentions. <laughs> oh, so you have six. Okay, go ahead. Second honorable mention is Tarkin mm. in the original Star Wars. On the Death Star. On the Death Star, he does not really get a death. It's just him looking. He has no idea it's going to happen. He doesn't happen. know, yeah. So it's perfect. I think it's what he's trying to achieve with Jango Fett or something like that. Sure. But this is done... In, in just a very satisfying way because this villain doesn't even get the it's dignity so of like... so quick. Absolutely, he doesn't get the dignity of a last line or some pithy thing or anything like that. You're just wiped out just like all these other guys on the Death Star, mm-hmm. including the janitors, the daycare workers on the Death Star, every, everything oh. on the... Everything on you the just gotta. I mean, I know we're talking about death here. It got really dark. Yeah, how we're talking about the daycare workers. One of, the one, Star. one of my godsons asked when he was a little boy about all the people on the Death Star who hadn't done anything wrong. Here we go. The first Death Star is depicted in various sources as having a crew of two hundred sixty-five thousand six hundred seventy-five, as well as fifty-two thousand two hundred seventy-six gunners, six hundred seven thousand three hundred sixty troopers, thirty thousand nine hundred eighty-four stormtroopers. 43,000 ship support staff and 180,000 pilots and support crew. So support crew is just like, I'm just paying, the, I'm just like gassing these things up, man. A cook. I'm just a cook. I'm just flipping burgers. Feed, think about how much food it takes. Tons of food. I mean, that's a, that's a, it's not a planet. It's, yeah, we, we it's never bigger s- than a moon. My last honorable mention death, the Rancor monster. Mm. It's, he's got a nice scene where he's built up as this great villain. You have the, the back and forth with him and Luke. The the death I think is satisfying in how he gets killed, yeah. and uh, and then it's a little I mean it's the, a little sad it's a, yeah it's a little sad at the end but you hear him kind of whimper yes and you're and like the, oh this is an animal that didn't want to be here exactly and then the handler comes out yeah it's, I think uh, it it makes for a good action scene and the death is satisfying in that action scene and it's a way that you know it wasn't just like a lightsaber chopping someone in half it was a new way for a character to die honorable mention top three. number three Yoda Mm. because I think to have a character die of essentially natural causes is a tough way to go in a space opera and they do it really well he he like cuddles up for the night he says his final words and that's it and that's seemingly absent of drama but because I'm saying absent of drama in an action movie 
but yet it actually is a dramatic moment. And I think that's hard to do, just have someone die peacefully. And it, it's actually done well. Especially because that's when Luke goes back to complete his training. Yes. And Yoda, in a sense, says, I, I can't do this for you. You're on your own. You made this decision. It's a, it's a, it's a, the, 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 the dialogue is important. The way he goes out is fantastic. I hate what the prequels did to Yoda by turning him into a fighting person. A little because, jumpy. Yeah, because the whole point of Yoda was that you don't need to be a warrior. You don't need to yeah. be this great soldier in order to have the force. And the, oh, the prequel just showed you, no, I'm as good a warrior as anyone else. It's, I hate those things so much. <laughs> And uh, they ruin the character, but his death is fantastic. Number two, and this might be uh, controversial, Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> because Jabba, do you remember how Jabba the Hutt dies? It's oh, a, yeah. It is a great scene. It's, it's a great scene. death. It's He's an empowering, right? It's, yes. It's an empowering scene. And it, and it doesn't rely on, on like a lightsaber. It doesn't rely on a huge explosion. It is a mano a mano against Princess Leia, who is subjected by him, and then she just chokes him. I'm not sure that he has a neck that you could choke him. I'm going to forgive that because just, you know, the chain, the idea, the thing that was holding her down, she's going to use against Jabba, there's actually meaning in that weaponry. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a great death. Probably one of the greatest feminist moments in Star Wars. I just think ever in Western culture. (laughs) Maybe somewhere in between. I, I mean, and this is when when people talk about Leia in like the gold bikini, it's just like, are you forgetting that she's essentially a slave when you're like fawning over her in this moment? Like she doesn't want to be in that outfit. You're you're completely forgetting the context. And here she is rising up against a great death. And then finally, you can probably guess what this one is coming a mile away. It is Darth Vader, and in the sidecar is the Emperor because their deaths kind of go together. But Darth Vader's death. Is is warranted by hours of narrative buildup. It's the completion of his character change. Mm-hmm. It's a, a, and especially I I remember watching that movie as a father for the first time and having not seen it for many years and then watched it as a dad. It got to me like that him like like I'm sorry, son, saying he's sorry to his son. Essentially, his son trying to become the wrong kind of Darth Vader. It's a really it's the best moment in Return of the Jedi. Arguably one of the best moments. In the trilogy. Especially when juxtaposed with Anakin Skywalker's characters in episodes one through three. Stop this. (laughs) Stop this. We do not need any of that to make that death great. No, I think that actually makes it worse. Yeah, it does. And and the Emperor's death is a great death. Yeah. And then he sacrifices himself. It sort of kills Darth Vader by, I guess, short-circuiting him or something like that. There's a lot of electricity going through. Yeah, I I don't know. But it's completely earned. And I'm telling you, that's one of the biggest differences between the prequels and the originals is the emotional payouts were earned instead of just thrown at us in terms of like, this must mean something because the music is swelling into a crescendo or something like that. So the best death in Star Wars, Darth Vader, riding sidecar, the Emperor. I have a couple questions. By all means. You didn't have Obi-Wan in your best or even honorable mentions. Is there a reason for that? Well, like I get... I like. I get why, as a narrative, he needed to die that way. I understand there's some flaws with it too, so it's just like whatever. I, I it's uh, when people people take the movies too seriously and they're like, "Why did Obi Wan die?" Well, he needed to die that way. Sure, for the for the plot to progress. Exactly. For Luke so to grow. it's not a great death. It's not a terrible death either. It's somewhere it's in necessary the necessary. Yeah, it's just it's in there. All right, I have a couple more questions for worst. Okay. Uh, Owen and Baru were not on there for worst. They're not the worst. 
Are they the best? What? Where? No, are they I at? just I think they are a they are a very effective. Maybe I should have had them in honorable mentions. Sure. but it happens off camera. Mm-hmm. We don't need to see it. There's it's sort of grisly there at the end. It is. We see Luke's emotion. It provides a narrative impulse to push the story forward, sure. which is always necessary with a death. Give him more fire against the Empire. Right. It's pushing the plot, and that's what you need in an action movie. And so they are good deaths. They're just not top three. What about when Anakin slays the Tusken Raider village? Nothing that that guy did deserves to be even in the worst because it's just, it's just, have you, have you ever seen the Patton? <laughs> There's a comedian, Patton Oswald. Yeah, he's he, great. He talks about Star Wars. He's a big Star Wars fan. He's like, hey, this is the prequels. Go up to a kid and be like, hey, do you like ice cream? The kid's like, yeah, I love ice cream. You want to go get some ice cream? Yeah, let's go get some ice cream. Okay, well, here's ice cream. And then just show him like salt and milk. <laughs> and the kid was like, this is how ice cream is made. You like ice cream. These are the things ice cream comes from. I don't care where the ice cream comes from. I just want the ice cream. Yeah. Like We, d- we don't need point. to see him yeah. at eight years old. It's it's totally, it's a total mis... I honestly use it in creative writing to show misunderstanding of conflict and character. All right, I have one more question. Okay. One more death that I, I can't let go overlooked. And it's Cornelius Evaz- Evazan. Or <laughs> I Evazan. Know, I don't know who that is. Dr. Cornelius is uh, the guy in the bar and, uh, oh, on Tatooine. who's with Walrus Man. Who's with Walrus Man. And he... Uh, it actually, that's, I mean, that is another death like Aunt Beru and Uncle Owen that further the action, that sure. further, very much furthers character. My friend doesn't like you. I don't like you either. Yeah, it's th- that's a great death in Star Wars. It's probably the worst moment in the Rebel movie. What did they? What was it called? Rogue One. Oh, where they bump into each other in yeah, Rogue it's One. Just, it's forced it's, fan service. Yeah, yeah. fan service. That's the word for it, fan service. Um, no, that's a great death, too. Yeah, I thought that was a lot of fun. Obi-Wan right, tries to peaceably solve it, but then when he realizes that that's not an option, he cuts his cuts him up. He cuts his friend's arm off. Yeah, he cuts Waller's man's arm off, and then... Kills that him. Doct- he's a doctor? Yeah, he's got a huge backstory within the Star Wars universe. Oh he gosh. is actually <laughs> wanted on, we've got the death threat in 12 systems. Is that what he says? Death I'm sorry. Something. You'll be dead. Those are some of the lines. I'll be careful. I'll be, be careful. Dead. You'll be dead. You're right. Um, so yeah, within the Star Wars universe, I'm not sure why he's wanted. I forget. Maybe maybe Josh Cook can call in and let us know. But he is wanted in 12 systems for, I think, actually doing really horrifying experiments on people and sort of mutation and things like that. Uh, on himself, too. Yes, correct. Also, a lot of unpaid parking tickets. <sighs> Empire yeah. is very, very strict about that. Can I uh, can I tell you my favorite death that you has not been mentioned? Yeah, of course. It's the scene where Han Solo is about to fight some kind of no-name bad guy, and the bad guy comes up to him and he's doing a sword thing, swishing him all You're around. Hilarious. And then Han Solo pulls out his gun and just shoots him. Do you remember that? I remember that. That's a good one. It is. That is a good it wasn't one. planned either. I think that was He was sick that day. I yeah. think he was sick that day. And he couldn't do the stunt that he wanted to do. So it, he just said, hey, how about I shoot the guy? Though that does remind me of the Greedo death, which is another great death in the original Star Wars, in that same scene in the cantina. That's another fantastic death. A lot mm-hmm. of good deaths, furthering plot, furthering character. Mm-hmm. But um, no, Robbie, I think yours takes the cake. I believe that was in Star Wars, Return of the Empire, Fights Spack. <laughs> that, that's where that one comes from. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. <laughs> Thanks to uh, all of our listeners, all three of our listeners who uh, gave to that topic. 
to St. Jude for Brent's marathon. Brent, the next time we speak with you on the podcast, it's going to be when, uh, you are sore a day or two after the race, and you're probably not able to walk. Yeah, I'm going to try and get back in time to to podcast next week. No promises there, but uh, but w- yeah, I'll, I'll let you know how it goes if if I make it back. Can we do real quick before we go? I think we need to give. We're just going to spend one minute on it, but we got to give you something right now. Here we go. Blaine Gabbard, action update. That's right. We've got a Blaine Gabbert action update for you. Blaine Gabbert started again for the Arizona Cardinals. He started against the team that drafted him and let him go, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Mm-hmm. And he led them in a 30-second drive at the end of the game to set up a field goal and beat them at the last second and to win his first game as, the, uh, as an Arizona Cardinals team member. This, this episode is dedicated not just to the people who donated to St. Jude, it's dedicated to you too, Blaine Gabbert. Thank you, Blaine Gabbert. And thank you for listening. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Tweet at us at the Afternooner. Until next time. So long. Farewell. Farewell.